Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and our Wonder Women in Business podcasts give a voice to those women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to do the same. I am so excited to finally have on a very good friend of mine. Her name is Susan Costell. She is the principal of STET in San Francisco. She's a legal marketing content strategist, writer, and editor. Welcome, Susan, finally. Oh, Susan, thank you. And thank you for your patience with my schedule. Uh, you know, I, I think back uh, to our first coffee together and the energy that we had there, and I hope we can uh, capture some of that here uh, because it was just such a delight. Sure. I felt it right away. Um, we have a lot in common, not just names and birth dates, but the things we read, the things we do. Um, in fact, Susan, I, I have just recently ordered a book I think you'll love. It's called Feminist Fight Club. <laughs> oh, love it. It's awesome. It's awesome. So tell me a, a little bit. And so I know a lot about you, but I would love for my guests to know a lot about you. So tell us about yourself. Sure. So I'm speaking to you uh, from my home and my home office here in San Francisco. I started, uh, I grew up in the Midwest and I started my professional life as a newspaper reporter. It's really the best education possible um, because it sets you up for a lifelong learner. Um, I got paid to talk to smart people and decision makers and, and earned a salary um, just for being curious and trying to make sense of the world for others. Um, now I'm in uh, legal marketing as a content strategist and writer for lawyers and law firms. When I started out in journalism, excuse me, one of my first uh, newspapers, which like many papers is uh, defunct now, but uh, it was the Tulsa Tribune in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I had the chance to be either a city hall reporter or cover the courts. And I knew I did not have the patience to sit through city hall meetings. <laughs> um, Susan, you know a little bit about um, how challenging they can be from uh, your husband Mike's work. Um, Every Wednesday, I, I hear you. <laughs> yep, and I chose to cover the courts, and, and I've loved it ever since um, because it, it really covering legal affairs is gives one a lens on basically every issue that touches uh, human existence, whether it's um, civil rights or innovation or climate change or um, who's allowed to be called your mother. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's just a wonderful way uh, to, to become a part of the world. So, um, and, and it turns out that reporting kind of unleashed my entrepreneurial streak. Um, that pressure to come up with a daily news story is the same drive you need as a consultant and an independent business owner. Uh, and it, I, I've been fortunate enough that, that things have worked out uh, for me professionally. Uh, I have always been uh, happy in my career, and I know that's not the case for everyone. Uh, and so I'm grateful for that. Well, I will say this, that um, 
you're clearly passionate about what you do and you're clearly grateful for the opportunity to have been a journalist. And I, I think that everyone who knows me knows that I graduated in journalism, but went the way of a lobbyist instead. So um, I went to the dark side. Um, but when you talk about it, you're so passionate about it. And I love that you say you're paid to be curious because isn't curiosity the key to all successful relationships when you listen more than you talk and you learn about that which you don't know and you're curious about the other. So I think that you're perfect for what you do and you were probably an amazing reporter. I know that you're really great at what you do today. Um, so tell me, you know, I know you personally, but, and I wanna make sure I don't overlook things to ask you because, because of the fact that I do know you personally. Um, so tell the audience, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment? You know, um, that's a that's a tough one. Um, I've I've had the outward accolades, um, and I've won opportunities for clients, and I've won clients for clients. Um, as a reporter, I once did a, as a a piece uh, for San Francisco Magazine on the marriage equality cases in San Francisco, and. I did a profile of Dennis Herrera, who um, Gavin Newsom gets a lot of credit for the marriage equality um, uh, victories, but it was really Dennis who was the strategist and the, and the boots on the ground who made it happen. And I, I did a profile of Dennis and um, he reached out to me afterward and said, you know, gosh, that was a great profile. But um, you showed me things about me that I didn't really even realize yet that were there myself. Um, and what that told me is that I have handled this individual with integrity. Um, so that's, that's really huge for me. Um, on, on the more uh, uh, pedestrian side, uh, I've, survived as an independent business person, um, the boom and bust cycles, numerous cycles uh, that are endemic here in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, uh, raised three amazing young women and some terrific dogs. And, um, uh, and, and what I really prize is the community that I have both personally and professionally and the relationships that I've built, whether they're with, um, Bold face names with their own Wikipedia pages, or uh, some of the um, inadequately housed individuals in my neighborhood. Um, I love that. I love that. That's amazing. They're they're equally important in the in the mix of life, and I um, uh, I not I. Nat I think I naturally give respect to both. You do. You do. Well, I know you, and I know our folks. You do. And I think that you are a fair, a fair person, and you give everybody an equal shot and a chance, and you are curious, again, to use that powerful word, about their story, regardless of how well-known or not well-known at all they are. I, I mean, I was just listening to a... Um, a TED Talk by uh, Mel Robbins. She's an attorney who used to be, uh, 
she's an attorney turned motivational speaker. And I, I don't mean to dismiss what she does by calling her a motivational speaker because there are so many people out there that do that right now. But she is really one of a kind. And she was speaking about, you know, hey, the chances of you being born uh, with this DNA and in this uh, time is like one in 44 trillion or something ridiculous like that. And um, uh, so each, each person is, that you come across is unique. Uh, every client, uh, every person on the bus, whether they're annoying you or not, and um, uh, they all deserve um, the best of what you can bring uh, to the game that day. I agree. I agree. I think people who don't view the world through that lens have something to fear and they, you know, label and they title and they decide what's worthy of their time and attention or who's worthy of their time and attention. And they're missing out. They're missing out on so much. Um, yeah, I, I love that you're that way. And I wrote that down. Mel, M-E-L Robbins, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Check her out. She's yeah. just off the charts. I will totally check her out. I'm big into TED Talks. So TED Talks and podcasts. Um, speaking of that, do you have any favorite TED Talks and podcasts other than Mel Robbins that you'd like to mention here? Oh, gosh. Um, if not, that's you know, okay. For, for a while, I was, I was huge on these TED Talks, and I kind of went overboard. I'm a person <laughs> with great enthusiasm. Um, and moderation does not necessarily come naturally. So for a while, I kind of overdosed on them. But um, I would say along the same lines as Mel Robbins, uh, Brene Brown is, um, is I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of her and, and her presentation technique. Uh, because yes. she brings a tremendous amount of humanity and humility uh, to what to what she does um and uh so yeah she's the one she's the person that pops to mind so i have to say i love and live Brene brown i'm a huge Brene brown fan um i'm rereading rising strong right now i know that you've probably read dare to lead if not you should um we've all seen her ted talk those of you who haven't the one on vulnerability that made the name for her um it's amazing yeah. powerful she talks about bringing your whole self to work, owning your story, being who you are, and not being afraid to be real because um, that's when things really, you know, change happens, for example. When I shine a light on other women at these speaking events, I tell them, please don't stand up there and tell us who you are, what your title is, what you do, how much you make. We want to know what were the struggles you overcame to get where you are. How did you um, get to where you are? It wasn't always easy. We want you to be relatable to the audience. Show us your vulnerability because that makes us feel like we can be authentic as well. Um, so I am totally with you on Brene Brown. Love her. Um, actually, well, and, and I didn't learn a lot of her lessons until so very, very late in life. Um, as a, as a, a woman, uh, um, I was uh, uh, I was taught not to tell anybody that I didn't know how to do something. Yeah, I didn't learn until my late forties that you can ask somebody, "Hey, how would you solve this problem?" Right. Um, 
And when I finally did and kind of embraced the fact that, you know, I, I might know X, but there are a hundred people that know Y way better than I do. And why don't I just go talk to three of them? Um, it really opened things up for me. A, I could relax a little bit, but B, it could also help me actually own the fact that I owned X. It's like, right. you know what? I may not know any of the other letters of the alphabet, but I definitely know X. So if any of the other 25 letters come up, I will seek an expert who is more experienced than I am. Um, and it was, it was a huge, um, it was a huge revelation and it made me a much better service provider uh, because instead of trying to provide everything to all clients, if it was somewhat outside of my um, sweet spot, I would tell clients that <clears throat> and then say, you know, if you want to work with me on this, I'm happy to work with you. However, uh, I don't do a lot of this and we might do better finding a true expert with video scripts, for example. Um, and I think it uh, was a huge step in becoming something closer to a trusted service provider as opposed to just a service provider. I think that's so courageous of you to admit that, and so few people do. Um, it makes us, I think, first of all, that's wisdom right there. That's what that is. Um, and sometimes it does come with age, but um, I know for me, I'd rather be a one carat real diamond than a three carat fake. So, <laughs> you know, let's be the best at what we can be and what we are and not fake it, not, not pretend to be something we're not. So I'm all about being authentic and real. And I would much rather do business with someone who knows her ex than with someone who pretends to know A through Z, because uh, we can't possibly be experts at everything. And that's just unrealistic if someone claims they are. Um, and you know me, I'll call bullshit on, on that person if they pretend yep. to, you know. Um, I, I make friends and I make frenemies. I don't seem to make enemies yet, but friends and frenemies, that seems to be what I make. Um, Speaking of, you know, people who inspire you, well, one quick Brene Brown story before we go on. Before she was as big as she is now, and before she ever even thought of having a Netflix special, which if you haven't seen, you must. It's amazing. Um, I called her. I called her office. I wanted to have her as a speaker. You know how I have Dr. Tannen coming in December? I wanted to have yep. Brene Brown come next year. And so uh, I've been following her for years and years and years, been a long time fan. And um, they used to answer their own phone. <laughs> and so I called over there and I told them with my sweetest Southern accent that, um, you know, I'm a fellow Southern girl and here's what I'm doing for women. And I'd love to have her come speak. And they were so sweet and so funny. But basically the message was, you're really cute kid, but <laughs> she's, way out of your league um it was kind of funny though because now if you call you get a call center like she has an out she's outsourced all of her you know contact my people well you know it used to be mm -hmm. women in her office but now it's like an actual off-site um so i just thought that was funny but hey you know dream big right so um 
I, I, I follow her and hang on her every word. And I love that she's not afraid to fail and tell us about what her lessons learned from her failures were, because isn't that real life? Absolutely. Well, who has been your inspirational mentor? Um, my husband is mine among many, but who's been yours? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm a taker when it comes to wisdom, in a sense, and I grab bits and pieces from a whole lot of people um, and kind of am able to call upon their wisdom when I wish that it were mine instead or while I wait for it to grow into that. Um, so, uh, you know, I, my mother was a, a very strong woman who was denied a lot of opportunities um, and had a lot of pain in her life. And yet she nonetheless accomplished so much. And um, tell me more. And I give. Ah, you know, my my grandmother was the arch critic, and my mother lost her father at a at a very transfer transformational age at age sixteen, and she was kind of in in a in a in a traumatic way. And so she was really thrust out on her own as a, as an advocate for herself, but at a time when women had no training to do that. Uh, she did not go to college. Um, she um, had a, a difficult marriage. Um, and yet she made so much uh, of herself and was really a rock um, as a parent, as somebody in her community. And, um, uh, you know, my mother is, is far, far, far from perfect, but she's really um, emblematic of what you can accomplish without all the help and support that we have today, whether it's Brene Brown or yeah. podcasts or therapy or, uh, you know, other things that um, she's really uh, a tremendous, a tremendous uh, woman, a woman. And, you know, it may sound odd, but as a writer in my family, I've always assumed that it would be up to me to write my parents obituary and eulogies. And so, uh, I've been thinking about them for years. I hope that isn't too morbid. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, looking for people's narrative. And I feel like I have a good sense of her narrative. Um, I've also learned a lot from my daughters. Um, again, they grew up in a completely different world uh, than I did. And I have this passion and activism and willingness to speak out against unfairness and to speak up for themselves and what they believe in uh, that I was not indoctrinated into. And um, uh, so I, you know, like to think I'm back here in the wings supporting them, but really I'm back here in the wings, like listening and taking notes um, and learning a lot from them. That is awesome. That is awesome. So I'd love to meet your girls one day. Um, they are 
I mean, I think that's a whole different mindset. You're, you're talking about your mom and how she wasn't taught how to self-promote. Well, it was frowned upon. You weren't even supposed to do that. And even today, when we teach our, our daughters and sisters and mothers and whoever else wants to listen to the message of activism or feminism, we, we teach them to be strong and to speak out and speak their minds and be bold. And then yet they're faced with those people who say, who does she think she is or what a bitch or, you know, these sorts of, of yeah. labels, it's not fair. Um, but yet if we were to say, if a man said those same things, he would be seen as a leader and, oh, he knows how to promote himself. That's such a strong leadership quality, you know? So I love that you're raising these daughters to be that way, or maybe they're raising you to be that way. <laughs> You know, one of, one of my daughters, she's 21, <clears throat> and she's in a great relationship. I, I just absolutely adore her boyfriend. But at age 21, she and her boyfriend are actively working on my daughter's tendency to say, I'm sorry, when oh, she doesn't it. have anything to be sorry about. And A, she's acknowledging it. B, she's working on it in conjunction with somebody with whom she's in relationship in a safe space, she is employing the help of a loved, trusted individual. I don't even think I was aware of the tendency of women to uh, apologize unnecessarily until I was 30 or 40, um, certainly after the Anita Hill hearing. And to see what my the to see the tools that my daughter has set for herself to uh, work on this is just absolutely amazing. I, I'm just um, uh, in a in a way I feel like people develop um, quicker now because of the tools that we have and the connectivity that we have. I was going uh, to ask you why. It's just astounding. Yeah. So I was going to say it's because of the age of di digital communications, I believe, satellite comms and, and internet and so forth. Um, I want to touch on that. I love that your daughter is working with her boyfriend on that, and they're both taking a courageous step and creating change. But I also want to play, um, you know, devil's advocate here sometimes women get a bad rap for saying I'm sorry because we apologize in order to save face and share blame and uh, create sort of a, a, an emotional, restore an emotional balance to a situation. So let's say, for example, we had a project that went awry and the whole team is to blame and I as the team leader might say, well, I'm sorry the project failed, let's start over. I'm not taking blame for the project's failure because it wasn't my fault, but as the team leader, I might be trying to establish some emotional balance to the team and restore some you know, emotional balance. But a man on the team might see that as I'm taking blame because when men do say I'm sorry, it is to take blame. Um, so we do have to be careful how often and when we apologize. The apologies that are absolutely unnecessary and must be done away with are, I'm sorry, I have a question, or I'm sorry, I have one more thing to say. Those are the apologies that are extraneous and unnecessary. Um, but women do, in general, apologize more than men, and sometimes it's for a good reason. So the I'm sorry gets a bad rap when we dump it in a bucket. So I just want to say that if your daughter and her boyfriend are working on that 
unnecessary, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, I have a question. Kudos to them. That's quite courageous. And the fact that a, a man is willing to work with her on that um, is, is wonderful. Maybe she can work with him on some of the things that he needs to work on because we all have those. You know, there's an, <clears throat> there's an apology continuum for all of us. Yeah. Um, and uh, one thing that I have worked on I didn't grow up in a family or have a marriage where people really said, I'm sorry. And so I've had to learn how to own what, uh, when I've dropped the ball in client relationships, um, in those client relationships. And so I'm very careful. And I, I think, I think long and hard about, uh, when I apologize, but if I have legitimately dropped the ball, the best thing to do to move the project forward is to apologize. This Agreed. is my bad. And here's what, here's the plan going forward. Um, I think, um, you know, uh, women our age, Susan, um, not only were we conditioned to apologize, but the people we grew up with were conditioned to hear our apologies. And uh, I'm no longer married, but at one point when I still was, I was explaining something to my then husband. Uh, it was something about work, and uh, he said, uh, wow, you sound like a bitch. And I said, you know, I'm over 40, and if I haven't earned the right to sound like that now, I will never have it. Um, and I'll give you a round of applause there. <laughs> I mean, granted, that was in the safety of, of my own home. Uh, but it's, it is what I believe in my soul. And so um, I, for whatever reason, have developed uh, probably through some pain, uh, you know, the courage to say, yeah, that doesn't sound right to me. Um, when it's something that I believe in, because I do have strongly held beliefs about the right, um, direction for a project, et cetera, et cetera. And I want it to succeed and I want all the parties to succeed. And so I'm not going to sit back and say, well, if, uh, if Tom wants to do it that way, let's just let the ship go down with him. Um, I'm not that person. And I'll say, you know, uh, let's, let's look at X. Let's look at Y. Yeah. That sounds like an apologia right there. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You stand by your strongly held beliefs. Um, which is one of the things that attracted me to you when I think when you mentioned the energy that we shared, you can tell that I stand by my strongly held beliefs as well. Um, not to say we're closed minded and can't be corrected if wrong. Um, but definitely, you know, I give great thought to things. I'm a critical thinker, not just a group, certainly not a group thinker. Um, and I don't always, go with the flow. If the flow doesn't make sense to me personally, I'll have to explain why I'm not going to go with the flow, but I don't just drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Um, I don't see you as that person either. Um, 
speaking of strongly held beliefs, um, you know that I think women in business especially should lift one another up. There are too many insecure women who operate out of fear and put one another down. And I'm out there trying to, you know, what has hurt you? Why are you fear-filled? Let's, let's fix that problem and so that you can join us, those of us who want to lift other women. How do you, Susan, believe um, or what would you advise that women should do to support other women in business? So that's a great question. Um, you know, it's uh, hire women, mentor women, actively partner with women, make sure you present women as well as men as vendors and service providers uh, to clients. If you're a journalist, talk to women. There's a tremendous amount of research that's been done about um, how many women are quoted in the media versus men how often men, male journalists retweet male journalists as opposed to uh, women, et cetera. Um, when I have conversations with a, a new contact and there's really a fit, uh, I will ask at the end, even if I've asked something of them, you know, hey, will you write for this uh, website that I'm a, an editor uh, at, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at the end, I will always say, um, so how can I help you? And surprisingly, few women have a ready answer for that. And so my advice would be to have that ask ready. Even if it's just a LinkedIn endorsement or recommendation, uh, it should and could be more. Um, and so... I'm not suggesting that we all approach our um, relationships as sort of, you know, predatory opportunities, but there is a commerce, there's a social commerce uh, that takes place, and one needs to become savvy in that uh, and to know, to understand the give and take of social capital. And so to know what you're asked might be um, is is incredibly important. I, I spoke recently in an event and one of the attendees sent me a private message saying that it was a really uh, helpful talk, et cetera, et cetera. And rarely did he come away with these kinds of from these sorts of events with something that that, that was actionable that day but he did from this one, and so he thanked me. A, it was an incredibly generous thing to um, email me that, and I was really appreciative. Uh, but when I responded, I said, wow, thanks. Would you be willing to put a version of that into a LinkedIn recommendation? And he said, of course. Um, and so I took some, I took an opportunity Opportunity. Somebody was already being generous, giving feedback, and I said, "Wow, thanks. Could you give that feedback in a public forum?" That's and awesome. That's awesome. That's something most women wouldn't do. I think that's incredible. It, I think what has helped me is that I see it as social commerce, and I put a lot of social capital in the bank before I ask for it to be withdrawn. Yeah. Um, I learned that early on as a reporter. Um, there are reasons people share with you information. 
whether you're trading information with them or whether you're trading empathy. Um, both are important. And when you make deposits in the bank, later you will have the opportunity to call on that capital. I love that analogy. I love that. So I actually was writing notes when you, when you said what you said. I, I do know that you ask, how can I help you? And I think that's a unique um, outlier. Like most people don't do that. That's very unique. And it's sort of a gift that you give to others. I love that about you. Um, I am one of those people that happens to have my ass get the ready all the time, but that's because I teach this stuff. I think you're right. More women need to do that. It's something men do just by their very nature and women don't. And when they do, we're looked at like we're crazy and I'm teaching women, you know, we're not going to, so we, we talk about the opportunities at the top that exist for women. Let's say there aren't many instead of clamoring for the two spots at the top, I'm working and you're working and other women who do what we do are working to create more spots at the top. So, you know, things like that, having your ask at the ready um, helps you to, you know, get to the top and to create more spots at the top. I think that that's, you know, women need to step up to the plate and, and find their voice, find their voice and helping them to do that. And, and here's what happens 99% of the time when you do that. People will say, oh, gosh, gosh, I, I don't know. Wow, what can I do for you? And we instantly have forged uh, a relationship. Whether or not I have an answer of, oh, I'm so glad you asked. I'd like blah, 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 blah. Um, what we have is the implication that we will stay in touch and try to find answers to that those questions of what we can do for each other uh it's it's incredibly powerful it is it's like shared common ground an understanding a mutual understanding or like you said empathy and information are two gifts i i totally agree um no shock there that i would agree with what you're saying but the audience is probably getting some really um you know head-banging feedback from you. This is not, not stuff people normally say or do. And you've given them, in this one question I asked you about how to support other women in business, you've given them action items, not just raising awareness of the problem, but you're, you're, you're giving people action items on how to fix the problem or solve the problem or better yet prevent the problem. What, um, speaking of problems, challenges, setbacks, what has been your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it? Yeah, so the great thing about overcoming challenges is that once you face the really big stuff, asking about the little stuff, kind of all those fears melt away. Um, I worked with a woman once and I just, I, I loved her to to death and she had been through cancer twice as a young mother and we had also shared uh, the history of eating disorders and I uh, she had hers in college and I had mine later in life and I asked her I said um, well how how did you get over it and she said well that was the first time I got cancer and somehow like 
getting cancer makes you get kind of serious about uh, getting rid of your eating disorder. And that was an extreme example, but um, if we can write down and remind ourselves of what we have overcome and evidence of our resilience, big or small, right? Whether it's uh, cancer or an abusive relationship or mental health challenges or just a really bad boss or an unpleasant neighbor, um, et cetera. You know, some people in business keep a file of, you know, good things about Susan. And I use that because we're both named Susan. Um, but, you know, <laughs> whenever I got an really fat file, yours is. <laughs> whenever I got an email from somebody that was like, wow, thank you for this. You just, you know, blah, 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 blah. I just forwarded into a file called Good Things About Susan. And, and when I needed um, a reminder, and I often do, don't get me wrong, or when a, a job or a project review came up, I would uh, look at that file. So I love that. Um, it's important to um, remember what you have, where you have come from, what you have overcome, and it doesn't need to be uh, tragedy or abuse. Uh, being a woman in this society is enough of abuse uh, for anybody. Um, you know, I look at those comments on Twitter and they're like, I, you know, I can't believe you people haven't, you know, you women haven't just burned it all down to the ground yet. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're lucky. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I will say that um, relationships have been big in helping me, uh, find support and stability. Art has been huge, um, whether it's uh, a craft or some other art. Um, giving your mind a break uh, often means doing something with your hands. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've had mental health challenges in my, in my family and in my own life. And I've been very, um, you know, initially the Me Too movement wasn't empowering, it was disabling. Uh, but um, over time, there is a strength uh, to be drawn. And um, yeah, keeping that resilience list is important. Let me ask you this. I think that's beautiful. I love that you were open, honest, and direct. Your vulnerable side came out. Um, I think you walk that walk often, and, and that's what draws people, authentic people, to you. Um, do, in your Susan file, do you often, you know, remind yourself or send yourself these messages? Wow. So I'll be honest. I'm not as good at that. But I have a bus I work with a business manager, and at least once a year, we sit down and look at what I've accomplished personally and professionally. Um, the problem with competent women is they, they believe that they should be accomplishing these things and that they don't give themselves credit for it. And it's not until someone else says, uh, okay, could we look at this last year? 
and the challenges that you faced and what you overcame and what you were able to do and the way you moved your personal life and your business life forward regardless, uh, for me that needs, I need outside perspective. And so uh, we book time, uh, she and I, uh, at least twice a year, uh, wow. typically for an offsite to do that. And it's, it's tremendously helpful because otherwise all I would do is look back at it and go, oh my God, no wonder this is why I'm exhausted. Um, yeah. She's able to look back at it and say, this is where I've seen tremendous growth. She creates your narrative around the things that you've done. For you, they're episodic. They're events. They're things that you do. You check them off the box. You move on and you're exhausted. For her, they're, exactly. telling, yeah, they're telling the story of Susan. I think that's a wonderful manager you have there, or that that's a really great exercise. It's super powerful. I know studies show that when women accomplish things or get things done, it's attributed to getting help from others or being lucky, not from skill or personal contribution. Uh, as we know, that's not the case with men. It's always attributed to skill and they're rewarded for that. So good that you have this perspective, this other perspective, this outside point of view from this manager you have. Um, that's awesome. That's incredible. Well, I am going to make uh, it a point to share more of the things that I think about you. I'm going to put them in writing and email them to you because I often read your work or see you in action and think wonderful things and I keep them to myself and shouldn't. I should share them with you for your file. Um, let me ask you this. Um, I, I knew you not as well as I do now after this podcast, and certainly everyone listening knows you better today than they did yesterday. But tell us something surprising most people don't know about you, a surprising fact about you most don't know. Well, it's interesting. When uh, I was younger uh, in my consulting career, uh, I never talked about my children because I think that I was, I fell prey to that myth that I couldn't be a respected business person if I was also seen as a parent. And so I've actually had the experience where at a certain point I would slip that I had three kids and people would be like, really? Because somehow it was, it seemed that it was incompatible um, to have, uh, to be a successful professional who put their clients uh, first uh, and also have children. Um, that's not a surprising fact uh, any longer. Um, I'm fairly quirky. Uh, people that know me uh, will see it. Um, I've got some interesting art in my home. I create interesting art. Um, I bought a piece of art uh, at a, uh, oh, one of these hipster flea market things once and showed it to one of my young daughters and I hung it up and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I just don't want people to, to think that I'm, uh, you know, too conventional. And they're like, yeah, I don't think there's a big risk of that. <laughs> I don't think that's a concern either, but I love it. I love it. That's so funny. You are definitely and, and I've, a kaleidoscope. I've tried, I've tried to own those quirks and those, those little personality uh, hiccups, if you call them. 
so that my daughters might feel free to own theirs. I don't know if it's worked. I think maybe they just are like, that's my weird mom. I don't know that they've internalized it, that they have that kind of freedom. But ultimately, uh, that's the goal. I love it. I love it. Get your weird on. We love it. So uh, um, get your weird on. Get your weird on. You're very multidimensional and colorful and super like you're like, you know, multilingual, multicolorful, super, you know, many facets, many facets. So you're definitely not one dimensional. And that's why I am attracted to you as a friend. And it's you're someone I would want to hang out with and have a cup of coffee with. And I think that those people who do know you would agree with me and those who don't and are hearing this on the, the podcast would probably want to know how to reach you so that they can meet you for a cup of coffee. So tell them how people can get in touch with you if they want to know more about you, the person, and what you do uh, at STET, which I want to ask you a quick question about that in a minute. But tell us how we can reach you. Sure. So luckily, I think there's only two people in the country or at least on the internet with the name Susan Costell. So if you Google me, uh, you'll find me. Uh, my website is www.susancostel.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at scostel. Uh, you'll also find uh, great photos of my dog uh, on Twitter. Uh, he's got his own account, uh, Com's Dog. Um, so uh, yeah, and I, I well, I'm I'm open source, open book. Um, I'd love to, you know, uh, connect with folks and, um, you know, send me your thoughts. I'm also a, a contributor at Attorney at Work. Uh, I have a monthly column. I'm also a contributing editor there. And so if someone is got an idea and they're interested in being published on, on our website, um, please do reach out to me. Uh, via my personal email again, scostel at mac.com. And um, yeah, I'm for better or worse, I'm pretty easy to find. Well, it's for better if you ask me. And I do have someone in mind I'd like to recommend to you when we're offline. I'll send you her contact info and see if you might want to have a chat with her. She's really great doing good things in the industry and just in the world. So someone I think you'd want to highlight or talk to or at least know or put in your in your files. Um, Thank Stet, you. Why is your company named STET? What does that mean? S-T-E-T. Sure. Thanks for asking. So um, it's a little bit of an inside baseball term to see uh, how well people know uh, copy editing and proofreading. STET is a term uh, that means uh, if you're doing the final edit of a piece and an, and an editor below you has made a change, but you've looked at the copy and decided, no, we should leave it the way the writer had it. You write step next to their suggested edit. And what I like about it is it's short. Uh, it has all these nice strong letters that I like, S and T. Um, but also it, it speaks of, if you think about it, um, a real consideration about the copy and really respecting kind of the integrity of the writer. Hey, we thought about changing it. No, you know what? I gave it a second consideration and I think we should leave it the way it is. So, I love um, it. 
I love it. There's so much more meaning behind that than uh, what, what one might think. Um, that's powerful. It makes you very memorable. That and all the well, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's easier to think about my company as Stet than Susan Costle. Susan Costle, that sounds like a lot of pressure on one person. Uh, but if we can, if we can migrate it onto Stet, uh, I've got a broader base from which to work. Nice. Very nice. Well, I think it's time for us to catch up over coffee. Uh, it's been too long. What, a year? Maybe? Uh, well, uh, at least six months. No, uh, four or six months since I've seen you at one of the bits and bubbles. Um, but for actual one-on-one -on -one coffee, yes. It's been yeah. quite some time and way too long. Way too long, way too long. So hopefully I'll see you at an upcoming event. Otherwise, let's schedule that coffee and, and, and you know, enjoy that time together. Because I, I, I am a sponge with you and I listen and learn and go, I walk away a better person. So, so nice to have you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, you're very good at sharing. You're not afraid to share. And I think that's what we need more of is people who are willing to be real, be authentic, own their story and bring their whole selves, uh, show up, you know, show up and you do that. Well, Susan, I, I think part of that is you bringing out the best in people and creating a comfortable, uh, space. And, um, this podcast would not be the same in the hands of another person. So thank you for having me and, um, helping me find hopefully the most articulate uh, person that I can be at this hour in the morning with just one cup of coffee. <laughs> Same here, sister. I get you. So um, you're always awesome to speak with. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for listening in and have a great holiday. Happy 4th of July coming up soon. Take care.